Did I wake up in the morning thinking, wow, I'm really happy I'm doing what's giving me a real sense of fulfillment and purpose? No, I wasn't. It was all just about selling more stuff to more people that actually made no difference to their lives. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. My guest today is Neil Wilkie. Neil is someone who was very successful in business, but wasn't happy. And he walked away from it, something that I'm sure many of us have wanted to do. Not everyone is brave enough to take that step, particularly when things are generally going well uh, for, for the business that we're in. Uh, uh, but Neil felt that he'd had enough. He wasn't enjoying himself and he took, he wanted to do something else. And that something else has been to look uh, at what he's learned from that time in business. He's become an author and a coach with a particular focus on relationships, initially starting with personal relationships, but then moving into professional relationships. Uh, a good friend of mine, a colleague, and a, and a recent guest on the podcast, Adam Harris, saw the work that Neil was doing uh, and knows the work that I'm doing and said to me, you guys need to chat. And Neil and I had a conversation a few months ago, and it was really clear that there were great synergies between what I share on this podcast and elsewhere and what Neil talks about. So that was something I thought was was well worth exploring. So thank you for joining me, Neil. Let's, let's, uh, let's begin with... Um, what I shared in the introduction, you enjoyed a lot of success in business, but you chose to leave that behind. Uh, as I said, many people I'm sure can relate to it. Not many have done it. It's something uh, I did many years ago, but probably not from as successful a base as you. Um, but it wasn't making you happy. You decided to leave. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, of course, Andy. It's been a, I, I've had a really interesting roller coaster ride through through business and life and I've learned a lot and I've had a lot of great experiences a lot of bad experiences but I just wonder how many of us actually start in a career having really thought through what's going to make us feel happy what's going to make us feel fulfilled and what's our purpose in life and I think for many of us the the subtle or unsubtle tracks are laid down in advance by our parents and you know what they expect of us and that's a path i i followed for, for many many years um my father wanted me me to become a chartered accountant so i became a chartered accountant and i've ended up as a psych psychotherapist so I, i'm not sure if i'm completely unique but it's been a, an interesting start and an interesting end point so yeah my my goal was to make money and i thought that success created happiness and if you had a big house and a good job, then you'd be happy. And I'd been there and realized it didn't make me happy. Um, so the first stage was you know, running a big company. So I had a big house, swimming pool, tennis court, five cars, all the rest of that. But I wasn't happy. So I thought, okay, I need to do something else. I need to work for myself. So I went down the management buy-in route and uh, did 13 management buy-ins. So yeah, really fascinating dealing with banks, venture capitalists, raising funding, putting strategies together for businesses. So, you know, the last business, I thought, this is great. This is going to buy me my desert island, my jet, my helicopter, my ocean-going yacht, and life will be wonderful. But it wasn't. 
I just found it very stressful. And I realized in my 40s that I was doing something I really didn't find fulfilling. Yes, I was making money. Yes, my wife then liked spending that money. But did I wake up in the morning thinking, wow, I'm really happy. I'm doing what's giving me a real sense of fulfillment and purpose. No, I wasn't. It was all just about selling more stuff to more people that actually made no difference to their lives and about juggling you know, the jobs of hundreds of people as well, which as many business leaders know, that is incredibly stressful too. So yeah, I sold the businesses and thought, yeah, logical next step is become a psychotherapist because I'd often wondered what made the difference between success and failure, what made the difference between happiness and misery and thought, you know, this is a journey I've been on. I really want to do something different and to help other people who've been on that journey and reached the point I had. So I started working with successful but unhappy business leaders and found that fascinating to unpick why they'd got to where they were and how far adrift that was from what might give them fulfillment. Um, and I discovered in that journey that relationships were often the victim of striving for success. Relationships with family, relationships with staff, and that was a journey I'd been on. So, yeah, my 20-plus year marriage came to an end because we were heading in very different directions. So, yeah, I got to a place where I was doing work which was life-changing for other people and earning a lot less money. But that didn't matter because I woke up every morning thinking, wow, this is a really important day for people I'm going to be working with. And I could go to bed at night thinking, yeah, I did make a difference to their lives. And that gave me a warm glow, which was, yeah, the most important thing for me. Can I pick up particularly on, on something you said, you said there, and you touched on quite a few times going through that, uh, and that is the word success. Because certainly when you're in your business building stage, success, yeah. from everything you said, success equals money and the things that money can buy. Yeah. Uh, towards the end, you introduce a new term, and that is fulfillment. Yeah. Do you still think that success can be equated with financial success? And do you think fulfillment is a separate thing? Or do you think real success is much more closely tied with fulfillment? And what does that mean to you? I think success is tied to fulfillment for, for, for individuals. Um, I think it's really important they are doing something which is worthwhile, which they're good at, and, and which actually makes a difference in the world. Yeah, many people are doing jobs which are not life-changing to other people, but they are necessary. And if they're working as part of a team with a real purpose, then they can get fulfillment from relatively simple tasks. But so many people are focused on the measure of success is how much money you've got in the bank, how big a house you've got, what sort of car you've got. And the strive is, okay, I've got a three bedroom house now, so I really need to work harder to get a four bedroom house. I've got a BMW 320, I really must have a BMW 530, that sort of mindset. And when people get what they thought they wanted, almost inevitably, they're not happy. They want something a bit more. You know, four-bedroom house to a five-bedroom house with a, 
a swimming pool, maybe, that sort of thing. And that's a real hamster wheel because it's never ending. You can never have enough of that sort of stuff. But if you can wake up in the morning excited about the work you're going to be doing with great people you're going to be working with, if you go to bed at night feeling, yeah, that was that was a worthwhile day, that's worth millions of pounds, I think. And being part of a team is hugely important as well because I think as Peter Drucker who said, um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. And how do you create that culture? My conclusion is that relationships create culture and culture creates success. And it becomes a virtuous circle because if you're successful with great relationships, creating the right culture, then that keeps keeps improving. I, I, I absolutely uh, back up what you say, particularly about relationships creating culture culture creating success particularly long-term success mm. you can enjoy short-term success by going down the completely what we would regard as the wrong cultural route yeah. dog eat dog uh you know the the, the co- instilling competition fierce competition internally lack of brand loyalty uh that will bring you big bucks quickly potentially mm. but it's not sustainable in the long run if you want uh, long-run success, then you've got to create a relationship-based culture. I, I, I'm, I'm going to put the slightly cynical hat on, if that's okay for a moment. Uh, and I, I think some people will say, yes, it, it's easy for you to build this business that gives you that fulfilment and helps other people because you're financially uh, positioned to do so. Uh, would you, given the chance again, if, if you had all of the, hindsight you'd bet you'd benefit from now uh would you say go away build um build that financial advantage initially but with the view to then putting it into good use uh, uh, when you're in a position to or would you go straight into a more fulfilling uh profession and career straight away i think anyone starting off in the career should really think through what what is their passion what's going to give them fulfillment that's the starting point. I mean, I, I, when I made my change, I was in my 40s. Um, it was a huge risk. And suddenly I went from having lots of money to having virtually no money. Um, yeah. So I didn't do it with millions of pounds in the bank to fall back on. It was shit or bust, basically. Um, yeah, there were, there were times where I didn't even have money. I couldn't get money out of the bank. I didn't have any money. Um, so... I didn't do it with a big financial cushion. I did it because it was really important for me. So if it's important, just do it. Don't wait. Absolutely. Uh, and get, get involved. Yeah, and, and shed this false god of happiness comes from success and success is measured in money. It doesn't. And, and, and that then goes to a challenge I know many people face, which is they know they're in a job that doesn't fulfill them, but it gives them financial security. They know what they would like to do uh, out of that role, but they're waiting for the right moment where they feel able and secure enough to break away. What would you say to them? I would say two things. First of all, waiting for that moment will probably never come. You have to take action. But secondly, look look at the job you might not find fulfilling at the moment. Is that because of the job itself or is that because of the people you're working with? If it's because of the people you're working with, what can you do from within to improve that culture? So 
you can be there with a great team of people with a common purpose and enjoying your work. Um, so those are the two bits of advice I would give. Great. Okay. Well, talking about the people that you're working with brings us nicely on to the work you've done since, and in particular, your relationship paradigm. You created that focusing on personal relationships. Going back to your earlier answer, you talked about personal relationships were suffering uh, when, you know, based on when people were chasing success. Uh, what exactly is the relationship paradigm and how do your clients use it? Okay, so I, I've experienced bad relationships, I've experienced mediocre relationships, and lastly, I've experienced wonderful relationships. So I, I've, I've learned from experience. Um, I've also learned from reading hundreds of books on the subject of relationships, and it's, it's a topic which became very close to my heart because I realised actually one of the greatest gifts in life is a loving and fulfilling relationship with another person. You know, working with business leaders who were successful but unhappy, I realized just the misery that has been caused by their personal relationships. And I had that too. So I thought, how do I encapsulate all my learnings from hundreds of clients I've worked with? Most of the books on relationships are written as textbooks. Um, they're written as, if you do X, then Y will happen. But a relationship is a very complex system. When there's somebody else involved, one small change can have a huge impact. So I thought what was needed was a simple model which could be used, first of all, to calibrate where you were right then in the relationship, but also to break it down into small chunks where you could explore, okay, I'm not scoring very well in this area. This is what I need to focus in on. And from all the work I've done with personal relationships, yeah, I, I came to the conclusion there are six elements. First is communication. Yeah, how, you, how you talk to each other, how you communicate silently or not. Secondly, about connection. You know, that can be anything from a look, touch, to swinging from the chandeliers, having wild sex, which I haven't had yet, but uh, I can always hope. Um, thirdly is commitment, which is, you know, is this relationship really important to both of us? Are we working to achieve a great relationship? Because the danger is we, we fall in love and we think everything's going to be wonderful from, from then on. Um, why, why do we assume that? We don't assume that with cars. We take them in for servicing, other complex bits of equipment. We look after them. But a relationship, somehow we assume it just magically stays the same. And for it to to be a good relationship and a great relationship, that requires a lot of work. Um, fourth element is fun. Often fun drains out of the relationship because you know, when you're in the early courtship phase, you do lots of great things, but when work intercedes and maybe children, the couple forget to have fun together. And that's a hugely important element. Fifth element is about growth. Nothing stays the same. Life changes, people change, circumstances change, and there's three parts to a relationship. There's you, there's me, and there's the us. And all th three of those need to grow and be nourished. Otherwise, a relationship's just going to wither away. And the last element of the relationship is, is trust. Trust is normally assumed that, yeah, I trust him or her. Um, 
until something happens to, to start to break that trust. And when that trust starts to go, it, it can go very quickly and everything else in the relationship starts to look different. It's almost as if the storm clouds have come over and uh, you see things from a very different perspective. So that, that's the relationship paradigm. And yeah, I think as a unique model, I think it's a great way of looking at a relationship. But it also works in business relationships because all those elements are important in the business relationship. How you communicate with your staff, colleagues, um, how you connect with them, whether you're all committed to the common purpose of the organization. Are you having fun? You know, people often put on the straight face and think they're not allowed to laugh at work. Why not? Um, again, I, th I think Peter Drucker said, there's only two reasons for being at work. One is to make money and the second is have, to have fun. And if you're not doing both, do something different. So fun needs to be brought back into work. Um, growth. Yeah, the individuals need to grow in an organization. They need to grow their roles. They need to be fulfilled. And trust is also important. Do you trust your boss? Do you trust the organization? Do you trust your colleagues? Because without that trust, it's not going to be a good team. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to each of these individual elements. Uh, I, I think I'm not gonna go to every single one, but there, you know, I, I, I've I've looked at them and I've looked at what you've said about them, uh, and, and there's some some things I want to explore there. Uh, you've talked about how the elements impact uh, professional relationships as well as personal, uh, and I can I, I can see where you come to that conclusion. That makes perfect sense, and we'll we'll explore from that perspective. But with much of your work being on personal relationships, I think it's very easy to separate personal relationships and professional relationships. Uh, but actually, that's it's too simple a model. And in many ways, our professional relationships bleed into our personal life and, and, and our personal relationships and how well they're going will bleed into our professional life, which is, I guess, where you came from originally. So, so how does that happen? How have you seen that impact? And what can we do to manage that effectively? Yeah, so often people talk about work-life balance, but my view is it's just life. And uh, sometimes work's more important, sometimes away from work is more important. But the two, as you say, just bleed into each other. And you can't prevent that, and there's not a neat divide between the two. Um, yeah, in my, I've worked running mastermind groups for probably 10 years, and I would say about 70% of the issues with those groups, with the individuals, CEOs running organizations, has been about relationships. It's been about relationships at home, causing, how, causing stress to them. It's about relationships at work with colleagues, staff, and pe people outside the organization. So I think the number one issue in all the organizations I've worked with actually has been about relationships. I, I, I'm thinking back to an earlier podcast. I can't remember who the guest was, um, but uh, it, it was a good illustration where um, uh, I can't remember the exact story, but a member of a team uh, had a particular I think he he had to miss a, a day at work because a parrot was was ill or something like that, and his team didn't understand, 
you know why he would miss a day because his parrot was ill and and yeah. um and, and weren't very under, <laughs> weren't very forgiving of it but when someone actually spoke to him about it it turned out that that parrot was the last link to his father yeah. something along those lines that's a blurry recollection uh of, of a good impactful story that came up through the podcast but i think for me that illustrates how what goes on in our personal life absolutely impacts how we are in our professional life and we can't separate the two and it's really important that that we understand how that impacts us so that we can communicate clearly uh to uh people we work with and we work for what's happening um but also that we understand that when someone is behaving oddly it may well be something to do with what's happening at home not at work absolutely and so, so many business leads i've worked with have said fundamentally i don't care about them at work i don't care about you know what they're feeling i just pay them to come and do a good job and that's all i expect and that's that's wrong um you need to connect with the individuals who are working with you and for you you need to understand the reality of their world and people need to be open and vulnerable and to be able to talk to their colleagues staff about what's really important to them and you know in my mastermind groups it was my first job was actually to get people to be very open and vulnerable with each other because that with that comes understanding with that comes connection and with that comes growth and it's great if people can just take those barriers down and not pretend everything's wonderful when it isn't ultimately there has to be a line somewhere though doesn't there uh and you you can be open and vulnerable which is something i i regular listeners will know that i i encourage um open vulnerable and honest with your colleagues and, and with your, your 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 leaders and your team um but you can't let it affect work too much and as a leader there's so much leeway you can give people how does a leader determine where that line is and how do you sensitively manage that well that line will vary um yeah and and that line will be at a point where their attendance at work is not right or where their focus on their work is not right and yes there does come a point where if they're not able to do their job effectively because they're not physically or mentally present then there needs to be a part parting of the ways because after all the organization is there for its purpose and making money is obviously somewhere in that so if a boss knows the individuals if he knows what pressures they're under what's causing them unhappiness or lack of focus from their personal lives then he can have a conversation or she can have a conversation with them to deal that with that and see what support then they need but yeah there has to come a time where you say no you've had enough of my sympathy you've had enough of being given time off you really need to do the job that's needed for the organization because after all their colleagues are going to um, be suffering from this as well if they're not fully present not present physically then they're going to have to take up some of the load so the team are suffering not just the organization yeah. and and i guess that's where when you look at the professional relationships you look at your elements 
that's where you get the trust breakdown and and you and and it can get to a point where you just can't trust them to do the job anymore uh, and so both both parties have to focus on that we hope that you're taking away some valuable lessons from this edition of the connected leadership podcast if you would like support in developing nurturing and leveraging strong relationships to support you in your role please visit andylapata.com forward slash mentoring. So let, let's have a look at those, some of those elements in a little bit more detail. Uh, one of the things you said earlier is that we communicate even in silence uh, and that unspoken communication uh, can have a major impact on professional relationships, both positive and negative. I'd love to, if you can uncover that a little bit more for us. Of course, I believe you cannot not communicate. So even if the mouth is not moving, there is communication there. It may be the look you have. It may be the energy, which, uh, as Einstein says, fundamentally, all we are is energy. And we can, if we allow ourselves to pick up the energy of, of somebody else. So the other point about unspoken is silence is actually really powerful. If you ask somebody a question, the normal process is some, if they don't answer quickly, the questioner will leap in and uh, give the answer for them, or they'll come up inside the head with their own answer. But actually silence is really powerful in creating a space for the other person to fill with their answer, which may take a while and may take a minute but just leaving that silence hanging there for as long as it needs will help suck out whatever feelings that person is having. Let's focus on that energy for a, a moment because energy brings a lot to relationships. Mm. Uh, I think that's a, a, a key point. How do you balance authenticity the need to be yourself and the need to, to to be authentic in the way you engage with people. Because I think if you try and put on an act, it's exhausting and it's just not sustainable. Uh, with the, the feeling the need to bring optimism, positivity, and, and potentially high energy into the relationships that you build. Yes, it's... Yeah, for a boss to walk into the office in the morning looking miserable, feeling stressed because something went wrong in their night or day, that can have a big impact on the people that's working there. It can be a real downer for them. So I believe that it's really important for somebody uh, walking into their business or business they're running to portray positive energy but then to be vulnerable, actually, I had a shit night because uh, I had an argument with my wife or I had an argument with somebody. But yeah, today's really important. We need to do X, Y and Z and I need your support in doing that. So that's both being authentic, but there's also portraying positive energy. Because otherwise, if people just moan about what happened to them in the previous few hours, that's going to bring everyone down. So it's, it's mixing that honesty and vulnerability, but then not leaving it there hanging to drag everyone down, give people a lift at the end of it. How important do you think it is to mirror other people's energy? You know, NLP practitioners would have you trying to mirror the other person as, as best as possible. Are you a fan of that or do you just say be yourself? 
be, be yourself. I mean, I, I'm an NLP master practitioner. I, I think mirroring has many pitfalls because you, you're just so focused on what's that person doing. Oh, they've uh, crossed their legs. I need to cross my legs. That that looks really inauthentic, and what you're picking up may not be the important thing. Um, having good eye contact is important to try and understand what they're really feeling by questioning is important. Um, but yeah, it's much easier to be authentic. If you're trying to be something else, um, you, your mind is going to be focusing on pretending to be somebody else and you're not going to be listening to them at all well. That's exactly what turned me off of NLP originally. Uh, I, I just didn't have the brain capacity to try and look at, sort of listen to the other person's language, look at their body language and actually engage humanly in the conversation. I remember, um, and this is going back 20 years plus, uh, going for, um, uh, I, I can't remember if it was a coaching session or just a conversation with a very well-known NLP master practitioner at his home. And I had a bad back and uh, I found his both are very uncomfortable. So I said, do you mind if I sit on the floor so I can put my back against the wall? And he said, of course. He said, do you mind if I sit on the floor as well? Because he wanted to be at the same level. I found that really almost creepy, but certainly uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. If you can naturally mirror, that's fantastic. If you're too forced about it, um, then, then there's definitely a challenge there. You talked about eye contact. Um, and I'm very aware this is an audio podcast, but we're doing this over uh, over Zoom. And one of the biggest challenges on Zoom is making eye contact. So mm. when I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking at the camera, so I'm making eye contact with you, but that puts you in the periphery of my vision. If I look at you on, on camera, then I'm not making eye contact. How have you felt that's impacted people's ability to develop relationships? Certainly working on Zoom is hard because you're not picking up a lot of the subtle cues you do when you're, when you're face-to-face. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the camera too. I'm seeing you in my periphery, and I'm just trying to tune into your words. And actually, for much of the work I've done over lockdown, I find a telephone conversation rather, rather than Zoom better because then you can tune in without distractions. You can tune in without you know, wondering what's what's that book behind them on their bookshelf. Um, and Zoom is a very artificial environment. It's it's better than nothing. But uh, I say, you know, break it up. If you're on a telephone to something, you can just close your eyes and just imagine um, what you need to imagine. You can connect with them much better just, just with your tonality and pace. Yeah, it's something that I recommend a lot. It's particularly when you already know someone. So you know what they look like, you know their environment, you can relax more on a phone call. And I, I, anyone who's, who's seen me on Zoom will know uh, I do have lots of books on my bookcase and very cheekily I make sure my own ones are the ones facing yeah. out to try and grab your <laughs> to grab your attention. Absolutely shameless self-promotion there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so let's have a look at, at, at a couple of the other elements. One of the things that you, you talk about that resonates really strongly with me is how we might feel that our message is clear, uh, but it might not have been received by the other person in the way that we intend. Um, so how do we avoid such discordant conversations? Well, the first is to 
put, put aside any belief you have that they can read your mind. You know, if they know you really well, if they love you, then of course they can read your mind. That's complete nonsense. Um, so the first is to be very clear about what you want. When you're asking for something, ask very specifically for what you want. Don't assume they, they're going to know what you want. And then check with them. Um, if it's something complex, just check what, what's your understanding from what I've said. What have I, what have I asked for? What have I told you? What, what's the degree of urgen, urgency in it? Um, so that simple checking will help avoid the, yeah, the disconnection of, well, they didn't do what I asked them to do. Clearly they're stupid or it doesn't matter to them. So real clarity is important. Um, yeah, because the meaning of any communication is the message that's received and they may have heard something totally different. And how often do you find that just simple misunderstandings like this are the cause of relationship breakdown? <laughs> a lot, a huge amount. So simplify it, boil it down. Don't don't worry about oversimplifying it. Check, check, and double check again that you're you're on the same page. Yes, I mean it sounds a bit of a process, but um, it will become quite natural. I, I think that's key with a lot of of what both of us share is that we've taken things that work in the natural world we've distilled them into a process we then share that process so that people can rebuild them so they do the right things naturally anyway um so i, I don't think it's, it's anything to get worried about when you say this is a process and that's an important point because i do find that perhaps people that don't fully buy into the work that we do mm. will find it uh awkward um bit dirty to start talking about relationships in a a dispassionate way and breaking it down into a strategic approach. Uh, but the idea is that if you understand what the right components and the right actions are, you then do those, you can then build those into habit. then you're doing it naturally. But if you're doing the wrong things naturally, that's not a place you want to be. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the personal couples I, I work with, many of them have been drifted apart over 20, 30 years. And the, the main reason that started to happen is about communication, not understanding what somebody is actually feeling about something. And the conversation has become about stuff and the complaints about stuff. You didn't do X or you did Y. Um, run what the underlying feelings are about that. And when the communication is restored, it's transformative. They can actually talk about what's important rather than blaming the other person. And that's exactly the same in business, because if you're not communicating, if you're not understanding what the other person needs from you, the resentment, frustration is just going to grow and grow until you think, I can't work here anymore, I'll leave. And then you just carry on repeating the same mistakes in another organization. You're not understanding what the fundamental underlying problem is. And that that goes to comes from going back to basics, I guess, Absolutely. rebuild it put in the good habits first yeah 
one of the other things that you talked about earlier when you were going through the different elements was you pointed out how relationships don't remain static and they need to to grow and i i talk in my professional relationships model my my three stages the middle stage is nurturing those those relationships enabling them to grow not just thinking oh well i know that person now now i need another relationship and another relationship but instead deepen the relationships that that we already have so from your perspective particularly when we're time poor what can we do to nurture and grow those relationships i think it's important to set aside time to to check in with each other you know what's going well what what would be even better um and in the business relationship um it doesn't require long but i think you know once a week you know what's what's gone well in the last week in our relationship what could be even better what specifically do we need to work on in next week and that can only take 5 minutes um but it can be a great way of understanding where you're drifting apart and a very easy way to know what you need to start working on the next week because so often those sorts of conversations are about tasks rather than feelings rather than about the relationship which is as i said at the beginning relationships create culture and culture creates success so that needs to be kept alive and growing that that type of excuse the terminology but that very that type of very cold approach and i don't mean cold in the sense of a cold relationship but a very strategic we need to talk about x y and z for me that would have to come from an already established relationship yeah. so you've built the relationship to a certain level that allows you to then speak openly about that you're nodding in agreement with that you would you would say the same yeah absolutely the, the the relationship has to be formed there needs to be understanding of each other to give the basis for continuing to to grow and develop that relationship yeah so yeah. um how long that takes um you know in a personal relationship you fall in love that can be very quick um but then you need to move to the next stage maturing the relationship and sadly often the third stage is about boredom or drifting apart and in business relationships it, you don't fall in love but you you join the relationship starts to mature and then then it also starts to drift apart unless it is growing so so effectively we have relationships at different stages and you can't treat all business relationships the same you've got to look at how strong the connection is how strong the rapport yeah. is and then behave accordingly absolutely and, and one key element of that is your sixth element which is trust yeah. uh which i would probably put as number one in terms of the most important element of a relationship so i think if you don't have trust the other elements aren't going to fall in place very easily other than maybe fun uh, but even with fun it's 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 safer where you have trust levels of trust there um so how do you get to that point how do you build trust from scratch and how, where how do you rebuild it once it's been damaged well to build trust from scratch you need to have good communication you need to have connection you need to have commitment so you you need to know that you're heading in the same direction um and that will lay the foundations for the trust and the trust will build as you face different circumstances as you face difficulty in the business as you face challenges with each other and 
you know, that you are able to have conflict and deal with conflict in a healthy way and not, not just suppress it. So all that builds trust. Um, where the trust disappears because somebody's done something that you found surprising, you found broke what you thought was their commitment to the, the business relationship, then you need to reflect on what happened for you and to have a conversation with them about what happened for them. So you might think it was their fault. They might think it was your fault. Um, what caused what caused it could be a number of different factors, but unless you understand what the causes were, you can't really deal with repairing it. All comes and down to communication again. Absolutely. Communication is, is the number one in creating trust and, and repairing trust. And if the trust has been broken, yeah, that, that open conversation about it. And then that plan of, okay, what are we going to do to avoid making the same mistake again is really important. Because, Great stuff. Sorry, carry on. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Because, yeah, as you say, trust is hugely important. And if you don't have trust, the culture is not going to be there. Absolutely. There, there, there I was talking over the silence. Uh, as you said earlier, allow the pause for people to think. Um, Neil, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I, as I said at the beginning, I think that the work that you've done fits so well into the work that I do. Um, it's clear that what you've learned from working with, with, with individuals in terms of personal relationships is very much transferable into professional relationships. And I, I like the elements of your paradigm. We'll pop the link to the relationship paradigm so people can read more about it into the show notes. Um, so check those and we'll put a, uh, uh, the, the link, the URL into those. You're going to rejoin us for our Thursday podcast where you're going to talk about the impact of professional relationships on your own career, whether that be in your uh, your your, your business career, which uh, um, uh, you weren't too happy and fulfilled in, or your subsequent career where you have been much more fulfilled. Uh, and in the meantime, thank you very much for joining me, Neil. Yeah, thank you, Andy. It's been a pleasure. But thank you to Neil. Uh, I, I, I thought that, as I said there in summary, uh, it's really clear that there's a strong link between uh, how we approach personal element, uh, personal relationships, how we approach professional relationships, and those key elements that Neil talked about, those six key elements, we, we need uh, in everything that we do. It boils down to communication, and we've got to be really clear in the way that we communicate with each other. Please do join us for the Thursday uh, episode where I talk to Neil about professional relationships and the impact on him. Uh, if you're new to the Connected Leadership podcast, we've been going for over a year. Uh, there's over 100 episodes, so please check our back catalogue. A range of really interesting interviews from uh, guests from all over the world and all types of backgrounds. Uh, and please, it really helps us if you share this with your network, if you like it, if you post a review, all of that helps to spread the word. In the meantime, thank you very much for joining me on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great Connected Leadership tips.